0: Now would you kindly turn with me in your Bibles to the Book of Romans? So always, almost, make a a misstatement and refer to it as the turn to the Gospel of Romans, because really it is about the gospel. But this letter to Romans, which has has its theme the gospel, is the focus of our exposition. this morning, we come to verses 28 through 31. And I'm going to read 28 to 32 and pray and then begin the exposition of the Word of God. Romans chapter 1, starting verse 28, I'm reading from my translation. And, just as they didn't value or approve having God in knowledge... God gave them over to a valueless, or it could be translated unapproved, mindset to do the inappropriate things, filled with all injustice, with evil, with greed, with wickedness, full of spite, of murder, of strife, of treachery, of malice. Slanderous gossips. God-hating or anti-God insulters. Arrogant braggarts. Schemers of bad things. Disobedient to parents. Insensitive, unreliable, unfeeling, unmerciful. Who, although they know God's judgment, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but also approve those who practice them. Let's pray for God's blessing on the ministry of his holy word this morning. Father, as we come to you this morning, we acknowledge we are totally dependent on you to understand your word and especially to take it to heart and to implement what it says in our lives. And so we pray, we plead, draw near to us, open up the word to our minds, write it in our hearts, give us wisdom and grace to live by it in our lives. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just reading that text, this is not what you call a happy, glad text, is it? It doesn't just make you feel so good to hear about how bad people are. So, before we started, I was glad we had the Lord's Supper today because the Lord's Supper is about good news for bad people. It's about bad people that got saved. Through what Jesus did for us, blessed be his name. That's why I wanted to sing that hymn just before we started. There's a fountain filled with blood. Christianity's not for good people that never did anything wrong. Christianity's for people like this, degenerates, saved by grace. A fountain filled with blood when we consider all this bad news about bad people, people like us. How should we consider it? In a context of grace? In a context of a fountain filled with blood? Mercy to sinners. A religion for bad people that deserve to go to hell. People like us. So, you read about this stuff this morning. It's not a happy text. It's a sad text. It's a grievous text. It's a text that describes what people are like when God says, go do your thing. That's not very pretty, but remember the context. Why did Paul bring all this up? He brought it up because he's telling people the good news about Jesus and about the fact that Christianity is for bad people that deserve to go to hell, that have lived their life in moral degeneracy, and God has mercy on them. That's why he mentions this. So even though it's not a happy text, it's The context has a smiling face. It's a context of mercy and a context of hope and a context of forgiveness and a context of pardon. That's the context in which Paul brings up the wrath of God displayed in society. And he says that when any society refuses to have God in its knowledge... Verse 28, and just as they didn't value, and he, he uses, I, I try to capture in the English the play on words that's found in the original language. Just as they didn't value having God in knowledge, God gave them over to a valueless mindset. That noun and that verb are cognates. it is they basically come from the same word family So if you want to translate it just as they didn't approve, then I think you should translate it in an unapprovable mindset. They didn't value having God, so God gave them over to a worthless, valueless way of thinking. They didn't approve knowing God, so God said, okay, I'm going to give you over to an unapprovable way of thinking and living. There's an irony in what God does. When any society refuses to have God in its knowledge, God abandons that society to sexual degradation in manifold violations of the marriage ordinance, sexual deviation from the norm in disgraceful sexual passions, and moral degeneration, a lack of common decency. Now, last time, we looked at verses twenty. 4 to 27, and divine abandonment to sexual degradation and deviation. And now today, divine abandonment to moral degeneration, to a good-for-nothing, garbage, valueless, trash, worthless, can't-be-recycled way of thinking. This does not go in the recycling bin. This goes in the garbage bin. So what does God exactly do to people when he gives them up? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He lets them be themselves. It's an ironic response. They didn't value knowing him, so he gives them up to a worthless, valueless way of thinking. The way they think is worthless... And because the way they think is worthless, the way they behave is worthless, it's degenerate. He says he gave them up to what? To a valueless, worthless mindset in order to do what? A degenerate way of living. So lifestyle, the way you act and behave, grows out of what's in your mind and heart. Like Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do people behave the way they do? Because they think the way they think. Their, quote, world and life view, their mindset, their mentality about God and reality is the source of the lifestyle that they live. So it gives them up to a valueless mindset to do by way of lifestyle, Inappropriate, degenerate things. So, how does he describe that? Now, in English translations, it just seems like he just kind of like gushes out uh, uh, an unconnected jumble of bad things. But in the original, that's not true at all this is this description of a garbage or worthless lifestyle that grows out of a worthless garbage way of thinking it's structured in four clear parts and the forms that he uses in the in the language, the Greek language, make that extremely clear. So, I know you're supposed to have three points in the sermon, but the text has four. So, I, I have to improvise. So, my three points are introduction, exposition and application. And my exposition has four points. You think that's clever? No, you think that's stupid. Okay, I agree. It's stupid. The bottom line is I want to open up what's in the text. And the text, he divides it into four areas. So once I open up these four areas and I'll give you some practical Applications. Well, what does he relate it to? All right. He relates this worthless way of thinking and this worthless lifestyle to four things. First, he relates it to wealth. Second, he relates it to life, that is, human life. Third, he relates it to truth. And fourth, He relates it to personal relationships or relationships. So he says, when God gives people up to moral degeneracy, degeneration, they have a worthless, valueless way of thinking and a worthless, valueless lifestyle with regard to wealth, with regard to human life, with regard to truth, and with regard to personal relationships. The way they think and the way they behave is absolutely worthless in their personal relationships and their relationship to truth and their relationship to human life and their relationship to wealth or money and the things that money can buy. It's garbage. How do they think and behave about money? Garbage. How do they think and behave about human life? Garbage. How do they think and behave about truth? Garbage. How do they think and behave in their personal relationships? Absolute garbage. It's Garbage. It's worthless garbage. Now, that's what he says. And I'm telling you that the structure of the original is abundantly clear, that he's got these four specific focal points. And he structures it in such a way that it's plain as the nose on your Greek face. And the English translations, it's not so clear. It's wearing a mask. It's got a big mask on, but the original's plain. So that's what he says. Now let's say again, okay. So you're going to look about garbage heads and garbage lives lives in the garbage pan, about money and things, about human life, uh, uh, about truth, and about relationships. Yeah, that's where we're going. Oh, that doesn't sound like too much fun. No, I don't think it's going to be fun. But let's not forget why he mentions all this stuff. Does he mention it because he thinks he's better than other people? No, because we before laid to the charge of Jews and Greeks that we're all under sin. Does he mention it because he thinks he doesn't deserve to go to hell? No, he does. He knows he does. Does he mention it for any other reason except to see these people come to face the reality of what their lives really are so they also can get right with God through Jesus Christ? No, that's his only reason. His only motive is to see good done to these garbage heads He wants to see them saved. That's why he wrote it. Look in the mirror and see that the way you think and the way you behave with regard to money, with regard to human life, with regard to truth, with regard to relationships, it's garbage. It's absolute garbage. But I'm not telling you that, he says, because I hate you or because I'm better than you. I'm telling you that. Because Christianity is not for good people that never did anything wrong. Christianity is for bad people that deserve to go to hell you say to me, you keep saying that, really? You keep repeating yourself. No, I do. Now, why do you think I'm doing that? Because you're getting old and senile? What are you laughing at? No, no, it's possible. I'm not denying it. It's a distinct possibility But I don't think so. I think I'm doing it on purpose. Why is that? Because I don't want you to lose sight of the context when we start looking at how bad, how bad people behave and think when God gives them up to do whatever they want to do. Because, dear people, we're living in a society I mean, this could be written about 21st century America. Could, right? So the last thing that we need to have is a judgmental attitude about people that have been given up by God. That's a big mistake. So all my repetition is not because I'm losing my mind. I hope. It's because I want to make that point. I want to drive it home. You get the idea? So, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be even yet more vile. How are you going to be doing that? You're already vile enough. I'm going to tell you. After every single point, I'm going to go and say it again. No, you're not. Well, maybe if I don't finish. But if I finish, I'm going to say it again after every point. Let's find out if I mean it. What's the first point? Let's look at a garbage mentality with regard to wealth. What is it? Well, inwardly, it's an attitude of greed. And outwardly, it's a lifestyle of materialism. Materialism and greed. A garbage mentality with regard to wealth. Here it is. Verse 29. Being filled with all. Injustice, unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. Now it's interesting. All of these words, injustice or unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, in the Greek, they're all in the dative case. They're all connected together as modifiers of being filled with. Now what does it mean to be filled with something? And then filled with all injustice. Well, filled with every kind and every degree of injustice. And filled with it means that they're under the controlling influence. It is the driving force of how they think and how they behave. It is typical, characteristic, distinctive of their way of thinking and acting. And three of these words are general or generic. What does that mean? Three general bad ideas. Injustice, wickedness, and maliciousness. And those three general words are joined to one specific. Covetousness. So it's all kinds of every degree and sort and form of greed covetousness, expressed unjustly, wickedly, maliciously, all of that stuff connected with their greed. And inward greed, outwardly expressed with injustice, wickedness, and malice. That's the mentality and the lifestyle associated with money and things, with wealth, that's the mentality and the lifestyle that is evil. And that is typical of a society abandoned by God that gives up, doesn't want to have the knowledge of God, has evicted God from its knowledge, from its education, and God says, go do your thing. And when they do, this is how they act with regard to wealth. Greed in the heart. Expressed wickedly, maliciously, unjustly in a lifestyle of materialism. Make sense? There it is, huh? A materialistic lifestyle to gain more wealth. Even if I have to be unjust, then I'll be unjust. If I have to violate the law or people's trust to get more money for myself, I'll do it. If I have to do moral wrong, I'll do it. If I have to step on people maliciously to do it, it's not personal, it's business, I'll do it. I'll do whatever I have to do to gain more wealth. At the end of the day, for me, when I have this worthless way of thinking, the only objective is to make more money so I can have more things. Doesn't matter how I do it, who I step on or crush or deceive or cheat or lie or steal. Doesn't matter. Long as it enriches me, it works for me. So you have greed among the political leaders. Bribery, peddling influence and access, and insider trading. You have greed in financial institutions, charging rates of interest that are usurious. Financial advisors who are not fiduciaries, Promoting and selling products to enrich themselves rather than looking out for the best interest of their clients. Greed in the healthcare industry with protocols, procedures, and practices not designed or implemented in the best interest of those being treated. Suppression of effective but low-cost treatment protocols to enrich hospitals or pharmaceutical companies or insurance companies or others. Greed and a lifestyle of injustice, malice, and wickedness connected with that greed you got greed in society not just in political leaders and financial institutions and healthcare industries but you have greed in society people getting over their heads in excessive debts in order to be able to live beyond their means You have people cheating on taxes, doing crooked business dealings. So you're making this up. Really? Think so? Say, you're gonna stop and say what you said? Yep. Why does Paul mention this? Why does he mention this greed? What's his point? Is his point that we're better? point is this is why you need to be saved people living like this God offers you mercy he offers you deliverance there but for the grace of God go lie. I deserve to go to hell as, as much as the most greedy, unrighteous malicious people living in our society today I'm not going there and you don't have to go either if that's how you're living you don't have to go to hell the reason we're bringing this up is not because we're better than you. It's because Christianity's for bad people that never did anything right. It's for greedy people. It's for greedy people, unscrupulous in their greed, malicious in their greed, unjust in their greed, wicked in their greed. It's for people just like that. That's why Paul mentions it. Because Christianity is not for good people, it's for bad people. Bad people who've been abandoned by God to a lifestyle of materialism and a heart of greed, a worthless attitude, a garbage head, and way of life about wealth. Say so you're done? No, I'm just getting started. No, that's the first point out of four. So next thing he talks about, human life. Human life. What is this garbage attitude about human life? He says they are full of spite, of murder, of strife, of treachery, of malice. This is a garbage mentality about human life. And once again... He connects these. Full of is the same as, similar to, what he said before. It's a synonym, synonymous way of expressing under the controlling influence of something. That it, it characterizes them. It's typical of the way they act. It's a distinctive of their mindset and lifestyle. They're full of it. And, instead of now having four datives, now he's got five genitives. You say, what, are you giving us a Greek lesson? No, I'm not teaching you what dative and genitive means. <laughs> I'm just telling you that the structure in the original is really clear. So now he's got five genitives. And these five genitives are all focused on the same thing, a garbage mentality and a garbage way of life with respect to human And this garbage head and this garbage lifestyle is full of spite. And it's full of murder. And it's full of strife and treachery and malice. Spite and envy is murder in the heart. I want you dead so I can have whatever you've got. The spirit of Ahab and Jezebel. A murderous spirit of wishing, wanting people dead. That kind of hate. A vile hatred of human beings that demonizes them and wants them dead. Wishes them dead. Doesn't want their good, wants their death. Murder. The actual violent taking of human life. Society with a garbage mentality has murder going on all over the place. The murder of unborn infants. The murder of crime victims. As strife, as violence, assaults, rapes, armed robberies. It has treachery. What is that? Malice, hate, a murderous spirit that would poison you. Not quite so up front in your face, but a lot more sneaky. While you're not looking, stab you in the back or poison your bread. It doesn't want to disclose its true nature. A murderous spirit disguised with a smile. That's treachery. So you make the victim without suspicion so they don't suspect how much you hate them. He that hides hatred is a lying lips. That's treachery, hiding hatred. Act like you love them, so you just can't wait to stab them in the back. Malignancy, a special word for people with a special desire to hurt people, mean-spirited delight in hurting people. So when society is growing in violent crimes, abortion on demand, gang wars, fights, assaults, rapes, woundings, road rage, These things are evidence of a garbage mentality about human life and a garbage lifestyle. A total lack of respect for human life and human dignity and the value of every human being made in the image of God. And when God gives them up to degeneracy, degenerate way of life? What do you have? Garbage mentality. Hate in the heart. And violence in the lifestyle. Say, so you're not really going to stop and do it again, are you? What do you think? Of course I am. Go nuts. Now, Why does Paul mention this violence in life style and this hatred in people's hearts? Does he mention it because he thinks he's better than these people? He mentions it because Christianity is not a religion for good people who never did anything wrong. Christianity is a religion for bad people. It's a religion for people who have a garbage mentality about human life. It's a religion for people who have lived in hate and violence who deserve to go to hell. It's a religion for murderers who turn to Jesus, for rapists who turn to Jesus. That's not popular. You can't say that. Yes, I can say it. I will say it. It's a religion for violent, hateful, people that turn to Jesus and repent of their sins and trust in him. It's a religion for hell-deserving sinners. And Paul doesn't mention this for any other reason except to present their need for Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's why it's there, folks. Look at the third point. Here's a garbage mentality in regard to truth. A garbage mentality in regard to truth. In the heart, it's an attitude of arrogance, carnal, unmortified pride. And in the life, it's a lifestyle of dishonesty. Garbage mentality with regard to truth is an arrogant heart and a lying mouth and a lifestyle marked by wicked deceitfulness and dishonesty and a total lack of integrity and hypocrisy. An arrogant heart, a lying mouth, and a hypocritical,
1: dishonest
0: life. Right? say, oh boy. Really? He really said that? He did. And he said this in a way that is really interesting because this is perhaps more obscured than anything else by the English translation, even the way they put the verses together. All right. He presents this with five couplets. A couplet is... Each couplet has two words. One of those words is a noun, and one of those words is an adjective that modifies the noun. And so he has five nouns and five adjectives, five couplets of words. The first couplet, they put the first part of it in verse 29, the second part of it in verse 30. I mean, I don't know. That's got to be obscuring it. The translation in English of this in the ASV is really quite interesting. It says, I'm going to read it Whisperers, backbiters, hateful to God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Now, so the last two you can tell are a couplet. Sort of. Um, inventors or schemers of bad things and disobedient to parents. You can sort of see that that's a couplet. Of course, disobedient to parents is three words in English, but in Greek it's two. Inventors of pernicious or bad things is four words, but in Greek it's two. At least you can see it's a couple. But these other ones, here's the way I would translate it. And I put the first two, both of them, in verse 29. Forgive me. The first one is slanderous gossips. The second one, God-hating or anti god Insulters. The third one is arrogant braggarts. Then schemers of bad, that is harmful or pernicious things. And the fifth one, disobedient to parents. So this is, this is how a garbage head and a garbage life behaves in regard to truth. In regard to truth, arrogance and dishonesty. Slanderous gossips, anti-God insulters, arrogant braggers, schemers of bad things, disobedient to parents. There's your garbage head. There's your garbage life regarding truth. Well, how do you get, how do these things relate to reality and truth? All right, let's talk slanderous gossip. They love to talk bad about other people. And slanderous means they don't care if what they say negative about people is true or not. Don't care if it's true. It just has to be bad for them to want to say it. They don't care whether the scandal is true or not. So you have a society consumed with spreading scandal who cares if it's true. Now I would say that people infected like this, seems to me, tend to be drawn to certain aspects of society. Like, for example, the media. Such people have news that's always about gossip, it seems. They don't care half the time, maybe more if it's true, as long as it's scandalous and gets released in a timely way. That's it. Which is why, by the way, I'll get to this in a minute, there's so much widespread growing cynicism in our country. Let's move on. God-hating insolence. Insolent or insulters. They hate, he describes these insulters as God-hating or anti-God insulters. And they do this in such a way that they express their hatred of God and religion. What kind of a God is that? Well, if there is a God, he's not a very good one not the least bit afraid to pop off their mouth about God. Well, what kind of a God would allow that? Ever heard any stuff like that? God-hating insolence. And what branches of society tend to attract people like that? Well, they're all over. But I've encountered more than an average number of them in the field of education. Well... They're supposed to be teaching math. But instead, they're railing against God in their algebra class, in their calculus class, or in their differential equations class. Did you ever have a differential equations class? I did. Did you ever have a math teacher railing against God? What's that have to do with differential equations? No, it doesn't have anything to do with differential equations. But it has something to do with God-hating insolence. And hating God so much that you can't even keep it out of a differential equations class. Supposed to be teaching history. And instead, rewriting history in order to make God and Christianity look bad. God-hating insolence, that's their view of reality and truth. Arrogant braggarts. Proud people can't admit their faults or their failures. They don't pray. They never say they're wrong. They never ask forgiveness for anything. Take full credit for anything good that has any connection with them at all. Or they lie about their accomplishments and claim things that they did that they never did. Take credit the work and insights of others as though they did it and exaggerate their personal successes and boast about what they think are their good qualities. Now what branch of society do you think people like that tend to wind up? I mean you might be surprised by what I say but I seem to have experienced some of those not only in public office but also in church pulpits. public office. Oh yes, you know. I am the greatest American leader ever. There has never been, not even Abraham Lincoln, there has never been uh, a leader in the United States that did more for people than I've done. This is what I've done for everybody. I'm maybe the best American leader of all time. Arrogant braggart. I'm the GOAT. What's that? Greatest of all time, leader. Well, you talk like a goat. And, I, and by that I mean the opposite of a sheep. Because that's arrogant braggart. Ever heard anybody talk like that? Hmm. You ever did? I heard it. And unfortunately, I can tell you stories of how I've seen it in people that wind up leading in the church. Not only public office... Office in the church. I mean, the last time I preached a sermon, I told a, a story about two pastors. Patrick, Pastor Demetrius and Pastor Diotrephes. You ever heard of Pastor Diotrephes? No? You heard of Pastor Demetrius? Well, anyway, they had a conversation. Diotrephes came up to Demetrius, and he said, you know, Demetrius, I, I did something wrong. And Demetrius said, "Why? what would you do? He said, well, I excommunicated people out of the church that didn't deserve to be excommunicated. What should I do? Demetrius said to him, well, you know what you did wrong. So stand up in front of the church and admit it. Tell him, I sinned against God and I sinned against these people when I wrongly excommunicated them from the church. Diotrephes said, I can't do that. Why not, Demetrius said. Because if I did that, I'd lose all credibility. (laughs) I wouldn't look good. Okay, Arrogant braggarts. People that never admit what they did wrong. They're not open. They're not honest about their faults. And they arrogate to themselves things that they never did. You know, like arrogant men... Scores a touchdown, gets interviewed. He says, you know, I'm the best running back of all time. I can run over people better than Jimmy Brown. I can run around them better than Barry Sanders. And I can run away from them faster than Gale Sayers. I'm just the best running back of all time. But that's not the way a humble running back that gets interviewed answers the questions. What he says is, you know, I couldn't do anything if that tackle that never, gets, never has anything said about him didn't open up a hole you could drive a truck through. Nobody ever interviews the tackle or the guard, without which the running back would be laid on his back in the backfield. And a running back that's arrogant is going to stand up and sit, compare himself to Sanders and Jimmy Brown and Gale Sayers. But a realistic one, realistic, doesn't even have to be humble. He could just be selfish. Because the guard and the tackle are listening to the interview. And he could just be selfish and he could just say, well, I want him to block for me next time. So he could just mention them because he wants them to block. But maybe he's really humble. I don't know. But the bottom line is he's not so arrogant that he takes all the credit for himself for something that he would never have done if a tackle and a guard didn't open a hole for him. Capisce? Arrogant bragger. Arrogant braggarts, arrogant braggarts. If you never played football, I apologize for the illustration. If you never heard of Jimmy Brown, Gail Sayers, Barry Sanders, I don't apologize. I think most of you know who they are. Oh, listen to this next one. Inventors and schemers of bad or pernicious or harmful things with regard to the sanctity of truth This garbage mentality is not open. It's got a hidden agenda and deceitful. It's not open and honest about their real motives and intentions and plans. They are inventing, scheming, hurtful, bad things, and they are manipulating to get what they want. They don't dare be open. So in the education field, they're rewriting history and they're telling lies about the past in order to promote an agenda that is hidden and they're not open about what the real agenda is. Schemers of bad things. In public office, they're hiding from the people their real purposes and plans. Not telling the truth about what they're up about. In churches, concealing from the congregation what they really believe about the Bible and its teaching and covering over their evil actions like pastor diatrophies in order to maintain his credibility. Schemers of pernicious things. Schemers of evil things. And finally, disobedient to parents. This lack of regard for truth doesn't start when you grow up. This kind of garbage attitude starts when you're a young boy or a young girl telling lies, distorting reality to get your own way. Psalm 58. They go astray as soon as they're born speaking lies. Dishonesty and lying begins at home. It starts with youth, with a willful attitude, with a disdain for mother and father who want their own way. So they lie and manipulate to get their own way. Don't respect mom, don't respect dad. Don't want advice, don't want input, don't want control, and so they lie. They don't want advice because they might not like it and might not want to take it, so they don't ask for it, so they lie. Sir, I go! But he went not. Deceitfulness and lying is connected with disobedience to parents. That's when this deceitful mentality starts. Deceitful, unteachable, defiant in youth. Sir, I go, but he went not. So that's what he says about it. Should I pause to apply that? What do you think? Has God given up our society to deceit and lies? Do we see this kind of dishonesty and deceitfulness and arrogance pretty much everywhere. It's all over, isn't it? Why did Paul mention this? He mentioned this, why? So people would get saved. He mentioned this out of a desire to see people that are sinners redeemed and delivered from that wrath, delivered from the garbage mentality. He mentioned it because Christianity is not for good people who never did anything wrong, but because Christianity is for sinners. It's for people with a garbage mentality about truth, a garbage mentality about human life, a garbage mentality and lifestyle about wealth. And finally, it's for people with a garbage mentality regarding their relationships. He says this in verse 31. He says they are, quote, insensitive, unreliable, unfeeling, unmerciful. And again, these four words all have something in common. They all begin with what's called an alpha privative. Oh, what's an alpha privative? Well, it's a letter at the beginning of a word that negates it. For example, we have merciful. And how do you negate it? You don't say ah, merciful. you say unmerciful. But in Greek you would say amerciful. Ah, merciful. Okay? Like we have moral and amoral, sort of close, not quite exact, but that's the Greek form, moral amoral. That's the alpha privative at the beginning of the word. A, alpha, A, moral. So we use a. So I wanted four words, right? Unreliable, unfeeling, unmerciful, and I wanted unsensitive. But unsensitive, you can't do unsensitive. No such thing in English as unsensitive. So I used insensitive. That's the idea. That's how this fourth way, this fourth issue is connected. And what's it talking about? It's talking about personal relationships. And it's talking about people in their personal relationships being insensitive, unreliable, unfeeling, unmerciful. And it's talking about an attitude of self-absorption inside and hedonism outwardly. I have to explain hedonism, I know. Maybe I shouldn't use that word because it takes time to explain it, but I will. Self-absorption on the inside. A way of life on the outside. When you're self-absorbed on the inside, it's all about you. It's all about me. It's all about I. All about me. Because it's all about me and all about I. The way I live is all about me and all about I and making me feel good. That's hedonism. Self-absorption on the inside. Hedonism on the outside. And people, when they think like that and act like that, are insensitive, unreliable, unfueling, And unmerciful. So hedonism is a self-centered way of life. It's a pattern of behavior, a lifestyle that's focused on pleasing me. Making me feel good, having enjoyment and pleasure and ease. That's what my life is about. I work as little as possible so I can devote my time to whatever I am pleased to do. Now, I'm not condemning pleasure or enjoyment of God or enjoyment of God's good gifts. That would be an equal and opposite error. But rather, I'm talking about the kind of self-centeredness and self-absorption that only thinks about yourself and lives a lifestyle that grows out of that self-absorption without concern for the needs or feelings of anybody but yourself, without empathy, without compassion. That's a garbage mentality about personal relationships. Gross, unmortified mortified self-absorption in the heart and in the life. It's insensitive without understanding. It lives in basic oblivion and insensitivity and a total lack of perception about the needs and concerns of other people. Unreliable. You can't count on people to do what they say they're going to do. Whether they show up for work, or they do a job right, or they pay their debt, or they tell you the truth, you just can't count on them. Because you don't matter to them. At all. You can't count on them. And no the loyalty to anything they said to you. They're unloving. Without even natural affection. So self-absorbed. That they can't even express love in the context where it would be natural to do it. And unmerciful. Lacking in compassion, hard-hearted, and merciless. The basic attitude and lifestyle screams this. I don't care about you. I don't notice you. I don't think about you. I don't really care what happens to you. What happens to you has no impact on me. Your suffering and need don't matter to me at all. I don't feel anything about you. I don't have any compassion or concern for you. I don't have the time to spend one minute, one hour of my life attending to your needs, alleviating your suffering. You basically mean absolutely nothing to me. I have no time for you. I have no interest in you, in helping you, in keeping my commitments to you, or even thinking about you. Have a nice day. Insensitive, unreliable, unfeeling, unmerciful. Total garbage mentality about personal relationships and a lifestyle. What's the evidence of materialism and greed? The evidence of garbage mentality about money? Lots of evidences, huh? Garbage mentality about human life? Soaring crime rates? growing cynicism. Do you know how cynical our society is becoming about what media says, about what government says? Yes? Yes, totally cynical. Sky rock, skyrocketing divorce rates. Broken down relationships all over the place. Self-absorption, dishonesty, violence, materialism, all over the place. Evidence is so clear. Let me close. Why did Paul say this? Why did he expose this garbage mentality and worthless way of life With respect to wealth, and with respect to human life, and with respect to truth, and with respect to relationships. Why do you say all this? Because Christianity is not for good people who never did anything wrong. It's for people who have a garbage mentality and a garbage way of life regarding money and things, regarding human life, regarding truth, regarding personal relationships is for people that have lived like this he's saying to these people people just like us the gospel is for you this is why you need Jesus now finally since I you made me have a third point I'll just summarize what I wanted to say to you just a few ideas to God's people. Be careful. I mean, it's not like what I'm telling you is rocket science. You know, this kind of stuff is all around you, right? So be careful. Why should you be careful? Because evil companions corrupt good morals. Don't let this kind. That's First Corinthians. I think it's fifteen thirty-three. So, I or thirty-four, somewhere in there. Fourteen. That's fifteen thirty three thirty. Anyway, don't let this stuff rub off on you. Don't come under this influence. You be careful. Watch out. Secondly, be humble. What do you mean by that? Well we're no better. We're not inherently superior. There, but for the grace of God go I. Such were some of you. I mean we used to live with this garbage lifestyle and way of thinking about money, and about human life, and about truth, and about our relationships. We used to live like this. It's the way we used to think and act. We're no better. God had mercy on us. So walk humbly. Be thankful. Thankful. Why? Because well, you're not living like that anymore, are you? You have a lot to be thankful for. Who made you to differ? It was God. And also be thankful because. There may be some places, because of the increased, skyrocketing violent crime, you won't go there anymore. But there's still other places where you can still go and feel safe. It's not as bad as it could be. There's still some common grace. Be thankful for that. And then be reflective. I mean, search your heart. Examine your own attitude and lifestyle. Regarding wealth, human life, truth, and personal relations. Pray this prayer. Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. And if there is, lead me in the way everlasting. Be merciful. God, have mercy on you. You have mercy on others. Have mercy on people that are entangled in these things. Tell them what the Lord's done for you. Tell them that there's hope for them. Tell them that Jesus Christ didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Be hopeful. Expect to see God's goodness in the land of the living. Who knows? All things are possible with God. He can restore the years that the locusts have eaten out of our land. And finally be prayerful. Pray. Because only God can keep us safe from these influences spiritually. Only God can save people. Only God can bring the gospel in power. Only God can deliver from this garbage mentality and way of life. So pray that God will do it. May the Lord be pleased that his word would not ever come back void, but that he would bless it. To that end, let's pray.